You may be seated as we walk through Psalm 103 together. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. And the Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, our refuge and strength, the author of all godliness, hear the devout prayers of your church, especially in times of persecution, and grant that what we ask in faith we may obtain. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first reading this day from the book of Genesis in the 50th chapter. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph, saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please, forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin, because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear. For am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. This is the word of our Lord. And our epistle reading for the day from Paul's letter to the Philippians and the sermon text for a little bit later as well. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, 
which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glorify in Christ Jesus. Because of my coming to you again, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. This is the word of the Lord. Now I invite you to rise in honor of the gospel from Matthew's gospel in the 18th chapter. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, there are days that are dreary. There are days where it seems like there is no joy, and we thank you for your promised presence by your Spirit as you point us to the joys that you have given us in Jesus that you have forgiven us, that you do call us your own, and that you are present with us in the dreary days and the joyful days, and you give us that very word to share with one another. Thank you for all that you have done and continue to do to 
to keep us and hold us as your own. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as you remember, we continue to walk through this book of the Philippians, this letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians as he was in jail in Rome and not exactly a joyful place, right? We've heard how full of joy he is because of how the Philippians have held on to that faith that he once shared with them. And we see his perspective of being in jail as a place where God has him, but it's a positive perspective and knowing that he doesn't necessarily want to be there, but because of being there, he's had an opportunity to speak the gospel to a whole bunch of folks that he wouldn't have had access to before. And so he can see through that suffering that God has also given him this wonderful opportunity to continue to speak his word. And we hear how that gospel is shared. And now he's speaking back, getting kind of a very thoughtful commentary on his own thoughts. And I love this section of scripture as he very thoughtfully walks through what it is to be a child of God and the tension between not wanting to be in a situation you are, wanting to be present with the Lord, and having to walk through that mindset. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but I, I know I've heard people voice it to me, right? Pastor, why am I stuck in this room and not mobile anymore? Wouldn't it just be better if I could be with Jesus? Well, yeah, it would be. But you don't get to make that choice. <laughs> right? But man, oh man, in the midst of suffering or debilitating things or the woes and cares and worries and heavy burdens of life, how often we pray, Lord, come quickly, right? end all this. Come again. Let's get done with the suffering of things. Let's get done with the brokenness of the world. Let's get done with all the things that cause hurt and disease and broken relationships and all the different things that separate us. And dear Lord, would you just end it? And that's what Paul's walking through as he's sitting in prison and he's saying, look, I, I really have a hard time because I know that to be with Christ is better, but to be here is necessary on your account. And that I thought was really interesting. Especially as we grow up in such an individualistic culture and such an influential word from around us in the world that tells you to focus on you and to do what you need so that you would be okay and you would be happy and you can do all the self-help things where you don't need anything from anyone else. You go be you, do you, and strengthen you. That's a lot of focus on you by you. And when we get that inward focus of things, it can start to get pretty lonely. And so that's what Paul's kind of weighing through. He's saying, Lord, if I just focus on me, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I really don't. Like, it's, it's too much, right? There's a thorn in my side. I keep getting in prison. I keep getting beaten in towns and getting thrown out. And yet you keep pushing me back to talk. And man, I would so much rather just be with you, Jesus. I'm kind of done with the persecution. I'm done with the struggles. I'm done with the hurts. I'm done with all that stuff. And to die, man, that would be gain. Because I know the promises that you've given, Christ. I know the promises that the Father has spoken by the Spirit to point to Jesus, to know that my sins are forgiven, and I wouldn't have to deal with this stuff anymore. 
And what's funny is it's actually not too far from what everybody deals with, whether they're Christian or not. I mean, think of all the folks that you've known in life that have walked through hard things and how have they coped with those things. More often than not, they end up retreating into something. They could be healthy habits that we retreat into. They could be self-destructive habits that we retreat into. They could be just a simple want of escape from all of the things that are burdensome and run away from it all. And so I think most folks wrestle with this. What does it look like to live life in the midst of suffering and to live life in the midst of things that are bad that we don't always want to call bad? But think of this phrase that Paul's sharing with the Philippians to encourage them of a life that's worthy of the gospel. As he weighs through what is burdensome in his life, but also weighs through what the benefits are in life, and then he finally gets to this line where he says, you know what though, as long as Christ has me living, as long as God has me living and in this place, I see that it's necessary for you. But see, it's not focused on him anymore. He's done with it. And he says, hey, to die would be gain. But to live is for your good. So there's a perspective of life in the gospel. First off, let's look at those two things. Life, right? All of your lives have been absolutely happy and joyful, right? Every single moment. Okay, so our experience in life is not that because of the nervous laughter that I hear, Right? We know that there are times in life that are not joyful. We know that there are times in life that are bad, and we may want to spin that and make it sound like it's a good thing, but it's really okay to let bad things be bad. We live in a broken creation. We live in a world that does not operate exactly how God would have it operate, and so the whole creation groans under the weight of sin, to use another phrase from Paul. Things are heavy. They get bad. Let them be bad. It's okay. Well, it's not okay, but you know what I mean. We can let those things be bad. Why? Because of the other phrase that's up there, the gospel. Gospel translation real quick, good news. All right. Well, if there's good news, when do you normally need good news? When something bad is going on, <laughs> right? Because you have this difference of two things. And so if by life we have this experience where things are burdensome and heavy and bad, God says, I have good news for you. You don't have to deal with it forever. Well, that's good news. And in the middle of the bad, I'm going to be present with you. You're not alone. You don't have to focus on you developing you for the good of you. I'm going to be present for you. I'm going to be present with you. I'm going to walk along through all of it with you. I'm going to give of my Holy Spirit to you so that in the midst of the bad, he will keep your eyes focused on the good. So that as you walk through life, you can point others to do the same thing. Think about that beautiful relationship there that God has given you, right? 
As we walk through the small catechism, there's a bunch of different phrases that Luther uses to talk about sin, death, and the devil, or our sinfulness and the world around us, and all these things that separate us and turn our eyes away from God and really into ourselves. Yet every single moment that God speaks by the gospel, he does two things. He takes your eyes and he takes them off yourself, focuses them on Christ first and your neighbor second. There isn't a single moment in there where God says, take all of this only for your benefit. He says, it's absolutely for your benefit. And the good news is that you don't have to work to get God's attention. You don't have to work to be on the nice list with God. You don't have to work to be on the team, to be in the family. You don't have to work for any of that. You don't have to do a single thing to be seen by God. He sees you. And he loves you. And he's forgiven you in Christ. You are his. To use more of Paul's words, neither life nor death can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So that part's complete. You don't have to do any work. And then he says, now that your eyes are focused on Christ and I've given you of the Holy Spirit, now I'm going to fill you with the joy of the Lord so that you get to go and help others. So that you get to look at the world around you and bring good news into a bad situation. Think of those loved ones that have pondered all that stuff that Paul was pondering in the prison. What good am I stuck in here? What benefit can I be to anybody when I'm lying in a bed month after month after month after month? What good am I when I can't speak anymore? What good am I when I don't have the vocal capabilities to do any of those things. It's not so much how good are you, it's how valued are you by God. Because you have the same value every single moment to God. From conception to eternal life, your value is 100% seen by God and he values you so much that he sent his son to die for you so that you would be counted as his, so that you would be redeemed, so that you would be reconciled to the Father, so that you would be a child of God. And none of your physical capabilities or anything going on in the broken world around us can change that. And so he calls us to a life that is grounded in that gospel to give us a perspective in the midst of the broken things that are around to say, you know what, that brokenness doesn't actually have to affect me. That brokenness, though it weighs on me, I now get eyes that are filled with joy. I now get a heart that's filled with the gospel to be able to pray, if that is all that I can do, to be able to be in the middle of suffering with peace, to know that just simply being there to speak a word either in letter or voice to whoever is there as someone sees a joyful heart in the midst of a situation that doesn't seem like there should be any joy at all, that glorifies God and takes care of our neighbor. And that's all God has ever led us to do in the gospel. Every single other faith that's out there points you into you to work on you to make yourself right before God. Christianity is the only one in Christ that says, I, as your God, has done, have done everything for you. You don't have to do it anymore. 
now you get to go freely and live a life that has a perspective filled with joy to be able to serve and take care of the people around you. Not to prove yourself to them or to God, but to just joyfully take care of the folks knowing that God works through you for them. As Paul says, as I see each day that I am alive, it is a necessity for you, right? As he writes his letters to the people, and he says, man, I do want to be with Jesus, as I know you all do too. But until that day comes, which we don't have any control over or know, we just simply get to encourage one another in the good news that God has fully and completely loved us in Jesus and fully and completely forgiven us in Jesus, which doesn't give us license to go do what we want. It gives us license to go take care of the folks around us. And that ends up looking like kids folding laundry when mom and dad ask. That looks like reaching out with a phone call to a friend because they were on your heart and mind. That looks like plugging in the coffee pot in the morning so that we have coffee going. Thank you, Greg. (laughs) It looks like all these ways in which you see people active not only in the church but also out in your daily lives as well. As folks look at you and they say, how can you walk through all of the hurt and broken things of the world with a smile on your face? Well, in one word, Jesus. In a few more words, the good news that God has loved me in Jesus and loved you, right? That we rest forgiven of our sins and freed to bring a smile to people's faces as we live in the gospel, right? If we were to think of that phrase of life in the gospel as something we had to do so that God would pay attention to us, that's no longer gospel. That's not good news, not by any means, but a perspective change. Knowing that no matter where you are in life and what place you feel you are playing in life, God brings other people into your life to see him working through you. So really, it takes a lot of stress off your shoulders because God continues to work through his people for the benefit of others. And that's what he does through you. And that's what I see in you. Just gathering together on a Sunday morning is a beautiful beginning to that. The hugs that flow around, the handshakes that flow around, the smiles that flow around, all of those things come from a life grounded in the gospel with its foundation is Christ, right? The tears that flow at times, all of those flow from a life in the gospel. And that's what encourages us through the week as we call on friends and visit friends and bake brownies and make cookies and drop them off and prep dinners and walk along with folks in life and care for them and live with them and want to know what's going on. That's life in the gospel. That's what I see in you. And so that brings me joy, but I also see the joy that it fills you all with. As I hear the stories of folks that have called out to our shut-ins, as I hear all of that, I can see God's joy in the gospel flowing through you. So thank you for doing that. And where you don't feel you're doing that, or if you feel led to do something that 
you need some direction, talk to me. Talk to Rachel. Talk to Maria. Talk to Pastor Bob as we look to point you in life in the gospel to care for one another and the community around us. But know that your life is grounded in the forgiveness of Christ that God has done for you so that he then works through you for everyone around you. You don't have to focus on you. God's already done that and taken care of it. And he sends out all these other folks to focus on you and help you and take care of you and lift you up and walk with you. And so when you're feeling alone, know that you're not because God is with you. But so are all the rest of the folks of God's church that walk through life with you. So we thank God for the life that he gives us and the good news that Jesus is our Savior and our Redeemer and our life because he is the way, the truth, and the life and the good news that God loves you. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done and continue to do to point us to Christ. We pray that as you lead us each day by your Spirit and fill our days with things that would be good for our neighbor and glorify you, that you would continue to give us the courage to do so. And anything that would take our eyes off of that or focus our eyes back in on ourselves, we pray that you would remove those things from us so that we would have hearts not just filled with joy on its own, but filled with your joy, filled with your love of life as you give us others to live life with. In Jesus' name, amen.